in the uh, the midst uh, between books, so we, we um, are actually going to continue on with this John Flavel uh, series of sermons that he had, and it was called the, Fla- uh, the the Fountain of Life. And in that, he of course he goes from before the foundation of the world all the way to uh, all the way through Christ's life, and death, burial, resurrection, and, and all the way to the time that he comes back. So that's quite a work that he did. And uh, we, we dealt with uh, Jesus being the king last week, the, the kingship of Christ. And of course, that is an office of his. That He's a mediator. He's a mediator between God and man. A mediator means he's the go-between. He represents God to man and represents man to God. He's that. And of course, there are three offices. And the one we did last week was um, the kingly office and uh, of course Bob suggested oh hey this might be an idea to go off of uh, the next couple or you, or you thought we might be heading into that or whatever and I go oh you know what that would be a good one to do so I stayed with that one I, I didn't have to think about it that night well, what are we going to do next week uh, I go okay we will do the prophet this week he is not only king he's, he's prophet of course that uh, leaves priest but he's a mediator in First Timothy uh, chapter 2, it says there is one mediator between God and man. First Timothy 2.5, I think, right? For there is one God and one mediator also between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. He represents us as Him being the man. That's um, the one with... Uh, of course, he's deity, but he's he's God. He's man. Represents us to God, and of course, he being God himself. So that one mediator is ultimately played as a prophet, played as a priest, played as a king. Uh, I know the uh, the Catholic Church says there's one mediator because Scripture says that. And then they say all other mediators are. And they'll give you all the list of the uh, saints and uh, the Pope. And they're all mediators. Of course, Scripture says there's one mediator. And so, um, John Flavel, in the way that he uh, puts this, I think is rather remarkable. Uh, He definitely gets uh, to the depths of what uh, a prophet is or a priest or, or a king. And uh, so we have to think of uh, Deuteronomy 18. And that's the verse that he based this off of and kind of keeps returning back to that because he goes to many scriptures. In uh, 18.15, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you. From your countrymen you shall listen to him. This is according to all that you asked of the Lord your God on Horeb on the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God. Let me not see this great fire anymore or I will die. The Lord said to me, They have spoken well. I will raise up a prophet from among their countrymen like you, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And so there we get a prophecy from the prophet or, or, or from God. Uh, but there is Moses and he's considered the, the prophet. Matter of fact, to all the nation of Israel, he is the prophet of all the prophets. Of course, here it's stated that there's one coming that's going to be one like Moses. I'll put my words in his mouth. He shall speak him, speak them and uh, he will command those words. People are to obey him. So this prophetic office that uh, Christ has really is about revealing God and revealing the very will of God. And so uh, quite the, the testimony that uh, Moses had as he uh, gave a prophecy of uh, not only... He, he showed that he's a type of Christ, but there's one coming. And so that's singled out there as, as God gives that to him. Uh, look at John 17:6. And of course, what a prophet does is that he shows who God is. And 
it's, it's about God's will. In uh, John 17, you have the great prayer. In verse 6, he says, I have manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Well, there's Jesus that manifested his name or showed who God was. And, of course, name is the very character of God, all that God is. And he says, I manifested it. I showed who God was through my very person, my very being, through my words that I spoke. And he says, they have kept your word. They abided in his word. And that's really what it's about. A, a prophet is the one who proclaims. And he proclaims who God is. He also is is telling the will of God. Proclaims the very will of God and what the, what that is about. And of course, it also means to foretell too. Usually when you hear the word prophet, many people think of it's just foretelling the future. But it's much more than that. It's, it's proclaiming God. Proclaiming the truth of God. But it, it certainly gets into what, what is to come too. So, so the doctrine here that uh, Flavel had... And this is what his major point is as we look at this tonight, that Jesus Christ is called and appointed by God to be the great prophet and teacher of the church. He's our prophet. He's our teacher. He is the prophet, isn't he? And so he was appointed to preach good tidings. Think of Isaiah 61.1. Good tidings were there to, to the meek. And of course, he was to mend up the Brokenhearted, remember in Isaiah 61:1. So good tidings of that. And in Matthew 11:27, uh, he comes preaching the gospel. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal Him. A prophet reveals. He reveals God. He reveal, He uncovers. Doesn't he? he reveals God's will. He reveals the very nature of God. And, uh, of course, even telling of what is to come. But there is uh, that the Son wills to reveal to certain people. Uh, that's, that's a prophet. He's revealing it. And in John 1 9, there you have John talking about the light. Jesus, of course, is that light, but in verse 9 it says, There was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. The every man there would be his. He's, he's a light that enlightens them, he teaches them, he tells them about who God is, uh, gives them the knowledge of God, the will of God, and um, uh, how it's fixed and settled in Christ. So, the, the office here is quite, a, quite an office and uh, quite a voice, a miraculous voice comes from heaven to earth to proclaim uh, the excellent glory of God. So, that kind of introduces this. Why don't we uh, have a word of prayer? Father, we thank You for giving us Your Son. And as we look at the character of who God is, we are able to understand that because of the very person of Christ. Because in these last days, it says in Hebrews 1, He has revealed Himself. God has re- You have revealed Yourself um, in the fullness of the person of Christ. So many things were hidden before, concealed in a sense, done in small ways. But the fullness of Christ is at the very heart of the Gospel. And may we look at this prophet tonight, the one who has taught the Word of God, who is the teacher, who is the prophet. And so help us to learn a little bit more about him and the way that he works. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Well, his title is prophet. Of course, he's the prince of the prophets. It belongs to a prophet to expound the law. To expound the law. To tell what it means. Of course, the law comes from God. To declare the will of God. To foretell things to come. Uh, The type that we saw in Deuteronomy there is the type is Moses. He's a type of Christ in that he was a prophet. He also was a priest. He was the go-between until they established the law and then uh, the the priestly family and, and such. And he was the king because he led them. So he was a type of Christ in that. Of course, there will be one like Moses that said in uh, in our Deuteronomy 18 passage that we read. You might look at uh, Deuteronomy 34, verse 10. You know, the sons of Israel were to listen to um, Moses. He had been commanded, um, or had been given commandments by God, and of course, he gave those to people, to the people in turn. And here's verse ten: Since that time, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. For all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to perform in the land of Egypt against Pharaoh all his servants and all his land and for the mighty power and for all the great terror which Moses performed in the sight of all Israel. There you have the great prophet Moses himself. And he's given quite, uh, I think, uh, quite a little good bit of information on who he is here as he is the servant of God and yet he did mighty things. God had given him quite the power. And of course, that was one age of miracles that was obvious when you think of the the deliverance, the Red Sea, and all the things that went in there, all the things that Moses did. And so that was around, you know, let's say 1500 B.C. in that in that area. And then, um, and, and he represented the law, didn't he? And there was a second time where we saw great miracles happening and it would have been through the time of Elijah and Elisha remember some of the things that they did and uh, of course they represented of course the, the prophets the prophet time from 700 to 500 BC and but uh, those two prophets did uh, some pretty amazing miracles and then the prophet came along and of course he backed up what he said about himself and what others had said by doing those miracles. And so it's it's involving these prophets that back up the prophecies or the proclaiming to, to show that it is for real. And uh, that is uh, the biggest purpose that God has in that. There are other reasons, but it uh, as he make, makes proclamations, he uh, shows that... Uh, that the, what his statements are are true. So Christ is like Moses in the sense that he comes in his power and he proclaims the very word of God. Of course, um, Moses is just a type, the type, or the I guess the anti-type or the real um, one is Christ Himself. Uh, we did our Deuteronomy there, didn't we? Uh, Deuteronomy 34. We did our uh, Deuteronomy 18. Let's look in Hebrews 3, 5 and 6. Thinking about the prophet. Uh, You get an example of... uh, Moses here. Now Moses was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken later. But Christ was faithful as a son over his house, whose house we are, if we hold fast our confidence and boast of our hope firm until the end. So Moses was faithful in what he did. He was in the house as a servant. And, of course, uh, he's held in high esteem. But Christ is what the ultimate prophet is. He, it is him. He's the faithful one. He's the son 
over the house. The whole thing. And of course, we're the house, aren't we? We're God's building. So, um, quite, a, quite a role of the prophet. First one we really see is Moses, but it's really pointing to Christ. And of course, Moses comes from the very stock of the nation of Israel, comes from that line of Abraham, right on through Isaac, Jacob, you think of Moses, and then later on David. Of course, when you think of the king, of course, King David was a type of Christ. We looked at that last week, and uh, they're, they're good pictures to see, but uh, really uh, they're, they're men that God used to point to the ultimate one. Um, then, it's not that he just gives great proclamation, but there is to be obedience to the prophet. The children of Israel were to obey what Moses gave them, right? Of course, they were not a good example of what obedience is, as we know Old Testament history. But by hearing the very Word of God, and of course in these last days, God has revealed Himself through the living Word, through Christ. By hearing, we understand obedience. This obedience to be yielded to to the this prophet this prophet, this Christ, that's really who we do it. But he uses people also. He doesn't live here on earth as his body is not here, as he is busy doing his mediating now in heaven. But at the same time, he uses, he gives gifts to the church and these people mediate uh, in, in a sense. Um, and a lot of times you'll hear Preachers are called proclaimers. Teachers proclaim the Word of God. So one who proclaims the Gospel in a looser sense is, is a, a prophet in that sense. Not necessarily in the power of Moses or definitely not in the power of Christ, but they take the position of now proclaiming that Word um, by the power of God's Spirit. And Hebrews thirteen seventeen. Right at the at the end, it says, "Obey your leaders, submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls, as those who will give an account. Let them do this joy, not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you." These are the leaders that are that are in the church. It says you listen to what they say. What do you obey? You obey that person? No, but we obey. The person of Christ, and by His Word, uh, that's what we owe allegiance to. Hello, Hi. how are you Hi. doing? Fine. Glad to have you. Thank you. We are uh, kind of all over Scripture tonight. We're doing the topic of the uh, the prophet Christ. He, we're doing the uh, mediatorship of, of Christ, kind of doing a series of that. And he's a prophet, priest, and a king, and so we. We look at some of the scriptures dealing with uh, this this great prophet. He, of course, a prophet not only says things, but uh, then he uh, expects and commands that his people also do that in the, in the power of his word and the spirit of God. Look in uh, Romans twelve two. It's an obvious one. Since we've been put in such a Position being put in Christ, and you think of Romans eight. And of course, as you move on, you know, as we see in Romans twelve, he says, "Now therefore, here's what you do. Here's what where you have been placed. You've been placed into the body of Christ." And then he says, "Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship." Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Uh, we, are, we are to please God, um, but uh, not just in an outward sense, but it's in that inward sense. And uh, by that, we, we want to know what God's will is. That's what the prophet Christ does. He, he shows who God is. shows who... He is, and then here's what we are to do because of that. 
And uh, the will of God, right there you see, that's, that's one thing a prophet proclaims is what uh, God wills. Uh, I think of John 10, another picture of Christ is found as a, as a shepherd in John 10. Beautiful uh, passage on the shepherd and his sheep. And uh, at verse 4, when he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger, they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. The sheep know the voice of the shepherd. And they know him. They follow him. Um, believers, I think a good name for true believers are Christ followers. They, they follow Christ, right? We as sheep follow the shepherd. Of course, in this sense, uh, you know, it, it's still going with that idea of the prophet. Uh, he gives his word, tells about who God is, tells about what God's will is, and um, then we too align up with that. Uh, we'll go to that third part there. So what is implied uh, in the sense that Christ is the prophet? What, what is implied to the church? Well, first of all, to um, the natural man, uh, the one who is dead spiritually, who does not know Christ. He's blind. He's ignorant. Ephesians 2 uh, says that he's dead. Um, the vain man is born as uh, one that has no knowledge of God, doesn't want to know God. He's in darkness. And that, that, thing, that makes you think, just at the time that Christ came into this world, His incarnation, Matthew 4 he said there was a great darkness. And it's a, it's a quote, matter of fact, from a prophet, prophet Isaiah. And in verse 14 it says, This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. That's the area where crisis of course, came. By the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. Get down to the details there. The people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light. And those who were sitting in the land and shadow of death, upon them a light dawned. Now that's written by Isaiah. We're talking 700 years before the time of Christ. The prophecy by Isaiah the prophet is given of the prophet. The people are in darkness and they'll see, and it's almost like it's well. It's really um, in a past tense. The people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light, but it's pointing to the ultimate when Christ will come. But it's it's as good as done as far as God is concerned. And so that that's what we see in Matthew as Jesus begins his ministry, and he's coming to great darkness, and he is the great light. Of course, in John one. We read that earlier. There again is the light. And it's implying that there is a need for the light because there's darkness. People are sitting in darkness. They were needing the light and the nature. Their nature was corrupt. Well, a prophet comes to bring light. And of course, the, the light of the knowledge, the, the Word of God, the glory of God. How can it be understood? Well, by a natural man, we see in 1 Corinthians 2, we turn to this quite often, <clears throat> but it tells you where one is if they don't know God, or it tells you where we were once at. We had no spiritual wisdom. We could not understand. And in 1 Corinthians 2, But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. He cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of this 
prophet, if we can say that. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Well, nobody would. Nobody would have any inkling of who God is and what He's about and to think like Him. But He instructs us, doesn't He? Christ is our teacher. Yes, the Holy Spirit is our teacher too. Christ being the prophet, the Holy Spirit then brings to light what that Word is about. And of course, that's what He was to do. Jesus says in John what, 14, 15, and 16, I have to leave, but I will leave you the Comforter. I will leave you one who will have you to, to know what these things mean. But there, uh, one who is a natural man can't understand those things. Uh, verse 10, it says, For us to God, God revealed them through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. Read that whole chapter. But we'll move on. Carnal reason cannot come up with who God is cannot discern the things of the Spirit. Naturally, enmity in, in Romans 8-7. They cannot understand, can they? Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God. It's an enemy. Hates God. For it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. So it cannot. It's not able to in verse 8. And those who are in the flesh, the natural man, cannot please God. It's impossible. That's a word meaning he has no power. He, he, he cannot do that. It's only by the very power of God that he can understand. So you can see, you know, just this one office of Christ being the teacher that he is gets us to be able to, to discern that. And in John three nineteen and 20, it talks about the, the mind hates, or a natural man hates the light. Remember that passage? Hates the light. John 1 says, here's the light. Matthew, we said he came into the darkness and they would rather stay in the dark. They don't want any light. You know, Shut that out. So when it comes to um, supernatural mysteries and the great high things of God, uh, the most searching of human wisdom, the most penetrating type person with wit, Reason, the searching that they do, the subtleness of that it is, they're at a loss though. They cannot ever come to the knowledge of God without Him intervening with the person of Christ and the Holy Spirit. Um, Christ, of course, in John one eighteen, John one fourteen, we, we talked about uh, last week where He is in the bosom of the Father. Wait, that was, was that was two weeks ago. Well, we talked about um, before the foundations of the world, the relationship that Christ had with the Father. Uh, and, of course, He wanted to return back to that great glory that He had. Well, in John one eighteen, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is, the, in, who is in the bosom of the Father, He has explained Him. There's the prophet. He's the one who explains God. Uh, how do we understand God? It's the one who's in the bosom of the Father. Who's that? That's of course he's been talking about the Word. The Word became flesh, dwelt among us. We saw His glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. So He gives both of those. He gives us the grace, grace, so that we can now understand the truth. And he explains it. This prophet, he's perfect in everything that he says, everything that he explains to reveal. Look in John seventeen eight, that great prayer again. Yeah, kind of working through John too. Great high priestly prayer here. It says in verse eight, for the words which you gave me, the Father gives the Son the words. I have given to them, speaking of the disciples, and they received them, they received the word, and truly understood 
that I came forth from you. And they believed that you sent me. Had to be a remarkable work of the Spirit of God for them to even do that. But He gave them uh, the very Word of God. They received it. A prophet does what? He takes the words that God gives him directly given to them and they then proclaim that word to people. Well, that's what Jesus did. He got it from the Father. They received it. They understood that He came from God. How could a human mind ever even understand that? That's why most people do not believe in God, do not believe in Christ, that God would come here to earth and be amongst His people and then die for Him. That's a remarkable story. The Gospel is just uh, incredible. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God. And they believed that. Um, I was listening to a teaching today that this is kind of related to what you were just talking about. But uh, Robert Godfrey of Labor mm-hmm. Ministries was speaking on something and he was uh, <clears throat> happened to be kind of contrasting uh, the liberal view, you know, liberal evangelicalism, whatever you want to call it, you know, liberal thought in churches versus the reform biblical thoughts. And he was saying that the liberal thought is characterized by, uh, well, let me put it this way, that the reformed and biblical view is that we are under the authority of the word for the scripture is the authority over me and the liberal says I'm the authority over the word or over the scripture so he, he flip flops it he can pick and choose a la carte scripture he can make his own determinations inter- interpretations you know Form his own views of how you know what's acceptable and what isn't, what what really carries weight in the scripture, what doesn't, things like that. So it's he was really making a pretty interesting contrast there between biblical thought and liberal trends that we see in the, out there. That's good. Yeah, yeah, I like the way that's uh, that's put. That's pretty well says it all. Where the authority is, is it? Is it yeah. Is it this or is it me? <laughs> yeah, we're going to pick and choose, you know. Yeah. But it, because they don't want any authority. You know, over, are we you know. under something or or is it under us? Right. If we're under the authority of the Word of God, we're under the authority of Christ. Yeah. People would say, well, He's my Lord, but uh, at the same time, they disobey God's Word. And, of course, there are certain parts in God's Word where they really don't believe this supposed to be in there. They don't right. believe the whole well, Bible. He, he was specific about things like well, things like virgin births and, <laughs> and miracles. They just don't happen. You know, they just that's just out of the realm of possibility. So, you know, that's That's one what the liberal would say. And yeah, that someone would go that far to say. That. And that's major parts of what the gospel's all about. Yeah. What do you find, I wonder, or maybe it's just me, Aside from the unbelievers, as a believer, doesn't it sometimes just sweep over you and you think, how could this be? Hmm. You know, I guess the wonder of it, most of the time I, I feel that we kind of take it for granted after after a few years. But God breaks through once in a while and just leaves yeah. you breathless. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Can't believe what he did. Breathless is a way to do it. And we are to be marveling. The wonders are there. And sometimes we get so, I can't use the word blase, but, you know, we, like you said, we take it for granted. Yeah. We do. And this is a basic truth about who Christ is. He's a prophet. But like what John Flavel was bringing out, it's like it. It makes us wake back up to these truths, and you get to you get to think it's something so basic, God coming to Earth. You know, we know all about that, but that sounds ridiculous to somebody who doesn't know that message or doesn't agree with it. You know, it, that's what one of my friends actually said. George, he said he has a hard time believing in that, like you know, the virgin birth. 
Uh, all I could say was, hmm, the creator of the entire universe couldn't perform a virgin birth. What else can he not do, right? <laughs> it doesn't make sense to me if you believe that there is a God that can create the entire universe that you can limit him or, or say, no, well, that can't be. It just it makes no sense to me. How can we ever say God can't do even anything? Anything. Of course, it's never good. He can't do the things that go against his nature, of course. <laughs> that's right, Audrey. That's that's absolutely right. Um, John eight thirty eight. Authority of the Word of God. All these truths that come out of it, it is unbelievable. Unless God comes into our hearts and opens it up to the understanding. I speak the things which I have seen with my Father. Therefore, also do the things which you heard from your Father. I speak the things. I speak the things that the Father gave me. I speak it. I proclaim it. There's the prophet again. Uh, he reveals who God is. And of course, he was in, in the councils, the divine councils before the foundations. Uh, he was in God's bosom. They're, they're linked together in their uh, absolute unity. All the uh, Many of the secrets that would be held by God then are... Um, let loose. He allows people to understand Him further when Christ comes on the scene. The Old Testament, which conceals so many things, is now revealed in the New Testament, as we were talking about in Second Corinthians uh, earlier. But uh, Christ is uh, everything. Never a man spoke like that. Remember in John seven, John seven forty six. They, they were always amazed at the things that he said. Well, well he's God, isn't he? He's bringing forth the, the truths of heaven coming from God. And verse 46 of John 7, the officers answered. And, and we're talking the Pharisees, we're talking the, the Sanhedrin and such. Um, the officer answered, Never has a man spoken the way this man speaks. Pharisees then answered them, You have not also been led astray, have you? <laughs> These guys are just saying, wh whoever he is, I mean, really, nobody has ever spoken like this. That's quite an incredible man that's teaching this. He is the teacher, isn't he? He is the prophet. He's the fountain of all light. We have to go into 2 Corinthians 4. I can't wait. Till we get into Second Corinthians four, but I guess I will. Second um, Corinthians four. Just before you say that, down there in the same chapter, John seven. Yeah. Uh, Nicodemus, you know, he's uh, he's trying to come a little bit to the aid of Jesus here. Does, does our law judge a man without first giving him hearing, learning what he does? And they reply. Are you from Galilee too? <laughs> you know, knowing full well he wasn't, but you know they're like insulting right. him. But listen, to what they say: search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. Very yeah. good. And it's like, who comes out of Galilee? The one they least expected. The prophet. As a prophet. Very good. Very good. I, yeah, that's excellent, Bob. Thank you for that. Absolutely. Hey, well, you know, we're contextual. We want to read before and we want to read later. I'm glad that you do that. Other people do that. I like that. Uh, I obviously will probably try to get to key verses and move on. I'd like to go on through there. But, but that's good. That's a, always a good thing to do. We, we never want to take anything out of context. Everything has a setting for a purpose there. And read afterwards. Read before. And, and see what we would have missed had you not, not done that. I didn't even think about that section there. Okay, Second Corinthians four. Um, here we have the He is the fountain of all light, right? And of course, we talked about in John. We talked about Matthew. Well, here it is, Paul talking about this. 
Um, and we'll pick it up in uh, verse 4, in whose case the God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel, of the glory of Christ, who is the image, he's the icon of God, which is saying that he is God, the stamp, boom, exactly what that means. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, and and ourselves as your bondservants. We speak Christ, we're just slaves. I'm just a slave of Christ, right? He's not exalting himself. And of course, the setting in Corinth, now it makes sense because he's talking about many false teachers were blasting him saying that his credentials were, were not good and he was not really a true apostle. In 2 Corinthians, Paul is defending himself. And now when you get into the heart of this section of chapter 4, he says, it's all pointing to Christ. It's not about us. We're slaves of Christ. We're pointing, we preach, we're not preaching ourselves, but it's Christ Jesus as Lord, Messiah, Savior, God, and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, here we go, light shall shine out of darkness. Of course, Matthew 4, we kind of read that, didn't we? Is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. The one who's shown in our hearts. Who's that? The prophet. He turns the light on. The teacher. He shines in our hearts. He gives the light of the knowledge. We can't have saving knowledge until He opens up the heart. The heart like He opened up, let's say, for Lydia the heart that was opened up as far as Paul is concerned. We see that mentioned a few times. But the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Uh, So, He is the fountain of all. All the prophets of the Old Testament and all the prophets, pastors, teachers of the New Testament, they light their candles from His torch. You know, He is the source, isn't He? Now, I didn't make that phrase up. That's from Flavel. That's why I use uh, Flavel so much in this. We're, we're kind of focusing on what that uh, that series of uh, writings, messages that he had had. You know, uh, the of Christ. Interesting how uh, this has happened today. Uh, but it's interesting how little lights get shine shown toward people by Christians and and. Some of them bounce off pretty pretty interestingly. Like today, this coworker Julia has called her. Julia is my wife, by the way. She don't know who I'm talking about, but uh, she's at her job, and uh, one of the salesmen calls in, and he's having a really rough day, and so he asks for prayer, or, or he says, he says, yeah, you can pray for me over this, but he's he's told her repeatedly he's an atheist and stuff like that, you know. So it's like. <laughs> he knows she's a Christian, and you know they've had little discussions and things like that. But it's like, isn't that interesting? How a person who would proclaim, you know, that they're an unbeliever, you know, ongoing, but they're having a bad day, so now they they have somebody to pray for. It's like little light, little light is given to them, right? And but what do they do with it? You know, it's like interesting. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, they, they, there are certain people that they know that, uh, hey, listen, if anybody can pray, you know, and I guess you could, you could do that. I guess that's trying to, uh, I don't know, use something for their benefit or something. I don't know, but anyway. Well, this fountain, he, uh, he's the one that uh, receives it from the Father. He gives it delivers it to the church. So then the next question is, how, how does he execute this office? See what he does. He, he gives his truth out. He is the fountain. And sometimes we think of it, he would teach the church church in, a, in an immediate way. I mean, boom, boom, like that. It, you know, it happens. 
Um, we know, and, and God is a God that does things in so many different ways. And it reminds me of, of the Hebrews 1 again. Um, we didn't turn there yet, but we'll turn there now, if we may. And uh, he says, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets, in many portions, and in many ways, various ways, numerous ways, in these last days has spoken to us in His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, through whom also He made the world. And of course, there it shows that He's the very radiance of the glory of God, represents His nature, really showing the deity of Christ. And of course, He set down the majesty on high. But the idea there is that God taught in many ways. He spoke. And, of course, we know He used prophets. Uh, He used dreams. He used visions. Uh, He used just the Urim and the Thummim. You know, they would seek His will and the priest, the oracles, the types, the sacrifices, etc. All those different ways that He used to be able to teach. And, of course, in these last days, the fulfillment is in that person of Christ. The fullest way possible to reveal himself is through this prophet. So sometimes he does it immediately. Um, and in his own person, he would, you know, of course, he declared God's righteousness and, and such. And sometimes he does it immediately. He does it himself in his own person that he, that he was, that, that he is. Uh, as he lived on this earth, he'd do that. But as he went to uh, be with the Father and his majesty on high, uh, he also uh, leads his ministry and through the ministers, the, the officers that are given in the New Testament, the, the, the gift, and we talked about that earlier, uh, he would dispense his ministry. Of course, he did it through the Old Testament. We know he did it through Moses, or he did it through Noah. We can think of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and so many of, uh, of them. And of course, uh, you know, he he taught the church and, and all those grand doctrines. Even in, we think of his uh, death, burial, resurrection. We think of his ascension, and uh, so he does not leave himself lacking, though of the teaching that needs to be there. Holy Spirit's left here. He empowers. He enlightens. First of all, those apostles. And then they spread it all over Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the earth. 2,000 years later, uh, He's still being taught. Christ is actually teaching, but He's being done through um, people. Kind of interesting how he's able to do that, isn't it? And, and with power, you know, right? By his spirit. Uh, Ephesians, I, I think of chapter. Uh, chapter four, verse eleven and twelve. And he gave some as apostles. Of course, they most. The writing of the New Testament is through the apostles, and some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastor teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints. Why? For the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. How long? Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. So that's equipping the church. And so he did not leave it without um, the, the, the truth. And uh, it could have died quickly after that. Apostles die, you know, because they're out teaching the resurrection. People see death and martyrdom and such. And so the church could have died out. Humanly, that wasn't God's plan. There's no way it was going to die out. 
and we see. And he said you'll do greater works. What he's talking about? Well, it's going to expand to all over over the world. There's going to be many people being able to take this out. Where Jesus, whenever he came here to earth, was at one place at one time. Holy Spirit living and dwelling in each Christian that is located all over the world, they're able to do uh, what he did. And, and, and so expanded even in a big way. The discoveries uh, of lot, many parts and parcels he did that in the Old Testament. Pul, uh, polymeros is the idea there. You know, there's little lights shining. Uh, Old Testament, there's little lights shining, but then we see the light just springs up gloriously in the person of Christ. It's like a, a moon. Without the light of the sun, the moon is not going to be seen. Um, Flavel said, it is... No, this is a Luther quote. It is to us not a twilight, but the light of a perfect day, and still is advancing in the several ages of the world. I know more than blessed Austin knew, and they that come after me will know more than I know. He's talking about people like us. In the sense that we have... A lot of people during his time, we get to read from Luther, glean from that, the reformers, and right on up to this time of good biblical people. You know, we can depend upon people like Spurgeon, for instance, and gain great knowledge, even though he read Luther and those. But he takes that and Edwards and uh, Owen, and we can take that and actually have a little bit more knowledge than they did. But usually what happens in our time they know far less than what they did and we have all the opportunities to do that don't we so uh, when he was on earth himself he taught people by parables this prophet he he did it in in a way that people could understand but yet still hide it from the ones who didn't want to know I think of Matthew 13 that great parable chapter what a tremendous chapter that is on Give us a lot of knowledge about what salvation is and many other things. But he says in Matthew 13, 3 and 4, and he spoke, here's the prophet, here's the teacher, and he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, sower went out to sow, and he sowed some things. We know that story, right? And there are many other parables to go. But he spoke many things in, in that way. And of course, he would use just nature around them. Uh, the simple man who was to have his heart open could now understand the things um, in the heavens, things of God, the deep things in an, by just Jesus using earthly things. Uh, John 3.12 If I told you earthly things, this is talking to Nicodemus here, remember John 3, right? If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? I'm, 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 just, I'm giving you baby talk here, you know. If you can't understand that, how can I give you the, the deep things of God? He manifested the very truth of God. He manifested, made God known. Um, Christ spoke plainly, didn't he? He didn't go about going into dark corners and saying secret things. You know, there are mystery religions. You can think of the Eastern religions and the mysticism and everything that's put forth. And they intentionally try to hide things from people. And the gospel is the exact opposite. It's the light. And, uh, of course, if one grabs that light, they can learn more. But it's uh, no longer a mystery if we are of Christ and we desire to know who He is. I think Christ spoke with power, didn't He? And how powerful is it that He's given us what, what we speak? Well, in 2 Corinthians 10.4, close out here. 2 Corinthians 10.4, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but here we go, but divinely powerful. 
for the destruction of fortresses. Everything that we set up in our own minds, all the fortresses that we put up, the idolatries, the Word of God is so powerful to knock those down. Or the ideologies, all the, all the thoughts of man, the philosophies that are out there, and if it's not of God's truth, it can break right through that too. Destroy fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. What's going on out in the world today, right? Things that are the opposite of what the knowledge of God is. And we're taking every thought captive. You have a, a warfare going here as he introduced this. Weapons, warfare, fortresses, destroying and we are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. So it's our own disobedience, our own idolatries. They are destroyed one after another. All through our Christian lives, all sorts of fortresses should be being destroyed as we die daily. And of course, you have to think of Hebrews 4.12. Um, and, and of course, we, we know what... That does. We might as well turn there. I know I'm out of time. For the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. goes right on in. How powerful the Word of God is. Incredible. And to know that here is the powerful Jesus who taught His Word is that powerful, can take down fortresses. And you remember as He was the prophet explaining to the two disciples on that resurrection day, that evening, and they were walking with Him, and His words made their hearts burn within them. In Luke 24, so he, you know, he spoke truth, and uh, it just came alive to them. Uh, and, and of course, in Isaiah forty-two, two, at the same time, a bruised reed he shall not break. Here's the powerful one to give that powerful word of God, this prophet Jesus. A bruised reed he shall not break, and smoking flax he shall not quench. You know, he knew how to speak the word in season to the weary soul. Isaiah 61.1 He gathers his lambs, right? He's so gentle. Uh, Matthew 11 He says um, you know, how, how gentle that he is. You know, come to me you are weary and heavy laden and uh, he will pick you up. So he's powerful and he's so affectionate and you know, he's so sweet in that sense to do that. Lastly, he reveals the very mind of God. And it said in First uh, Corinthians or, uh, chapter 2, right at the end of that, who can know the mind of God? He reveals the mind of God. Not a dash of error in it to, that debases it at all. And, of course, we, are, we know the very purity uh, of the Word. We are to preserve it. We are to preach it. We are to proclaim it. We are to reveal the Word of God to people in a perfect way, in a full way. Anyway, that's uh, basically what we have. I had some inferences there on your outline, but when it comes down to it, if Christ is our teacher, and He certainly is, it behooves all of His saints to be at His feet. Thank you for allowing us to just Rejoice in this tonight. Yes. Oh. Dennis, uh, would you mind uh, commenting on number five, part two? There, just what you were, what you had in mind, you know, and the inferences. Weakest Christians need not. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, just your thoughts on that. Um, he's, and it kind of goes along with the. Uh, Smoking flats and and such. There, um, he's he's very patient. He's a patient teacher, and 
um, he comes down to our level and he reveals who God is to the babes. Uh, Matthew eleven twenty five is. Uh, I, do I have that scripture there? By did I, I? I probably didn't put it down, did I? I think I ran out of space <laughs> as I was putting that down there. But in Matthew eleven twenty five, we're familiar with this. At that time, Jesus said, "I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth." This is Jesus praising the Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent, the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. You've hidden these things, these you know, remember the parables and all? Yeah. From the wise and intelligent. They you know, the, the the rich people, the ones who were educated, they should be able to understand this real easy. And have revealed them to infants, to babes, to people like me. Who am I to understand the great truths of the universe? So this is an encouragement type of uh, thing that you're in. The inference here is that, that we should all be encouraged that God will come to our level. And Absolutely. Right. Uh, I had Psalm nineteen seven there, but you know he 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 makes it plain to understand to the wise and the simple, even little kids, yeah. four, five, six, seven years old, they understand some basic things about God, and then there are people who are some of the greatest thinkers that the world would say, and they can't come to this truth. And if we read on down there, I said I was going to stop there, Bob, but you got me going. Uh, and, and it's because you read on down yeah, the next few I, verses. Did you already read this? <laughs> yes, Father, for this way it was well-pleasing in your sight. This pleased God to make it that way. All things have been handed over to me, and we read this earlier, by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal Him, to proclaim Him, to teach Him, whatever His will. And then He says, and then he, 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 it's like He has these ones that He's going to do it to. He's going to teach. And then He says, come to Me, all who are weary and heavy laden. And there again, it's, it's, it's the weak ones. The ones who realize they're weak. The ones who, blessed are the poor in spirit, the ones that know they are not anything. They are humbled before a holy God. And then he says, come to me. And there's the invitation. Isn't that wonderful? And at the same time, the verse before that, he says, whoever the Son wills to reveal it, will. And yet, the invitation is yet given to all. But yet, there will only be ones who will respond that the Father gives to him, as it says in John 17. An incredible truth. That's mind blowing. That sweet fragrance, or the fragrance of God, of the message, the life to life or death to death. Second Corinthians chapter three. Yeah. Bingo. One confession to make uh, about all this is, or what this made me think of. You know, when I watch a movie, speaking of like mysteries or like learning about something. I like to see it from the beginning, you know. Of course, on a movie, you kind of have to because you can't start it from the end usually. <laughs> but I know, but and I don't, I don't care to know how it's going to end until it gets there. You know, it's like I just want to experience it as as I watch it. You know, but when I read a book, and I think the Bible got me started in this. I start at the end. I I, I, I start at the back, and I see what's going on there before I. Decide whether I'm going to get into it in the beginning. I thought my dad was the only person in the world that did that. <laughs> Is that right? He does. He'll, he'll look, pick up a book, read the last couple pages, and he's interested. Then kind of go in the middle, and then he'll read the whole thing. <laughs> so there are now two <laughs> odd people. Yeah, yeah, that, that is odd, I know. But I think the Bible got me started doing that because I went to Revelation after becoming a Christian right away, you know, because I wanted to know, oh, how does the story go? You know, how does eternity look? That's what I wanted. You know. So, I don't know. I, you know, I'm just using that as a 
bit. Yep. It's a cork. Uh, to open this thing up and anywhere you turn is really pointing to Christ. I mean, He is the focal point of this. So, we've seen Him as king. We've seen Him as prophet. We'll, we'll just do that third one then. <laughs> we'll do the what? The priest next week, right? Lord willing. Well, let's uh, have a word of prayer. Before I, before I do that, before we get out of here, um, it, I'd like to enter... Uh, for you to introduce yourself. My name is Dennis. My name is Kendall Ponder. We actually met about six years ago, back when you were at the BSU meeting. That's right. Voice of the Martyrs. You are very familiar. Now we know. Okay. Uh, you, you're better than me. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, so I just... I like to talk to a lot of people.